what time it is when you hear that music. That means only one thing, that this is Tate's Take the Podcast, where basketball lives. Of course, you knew that already. Lots and lots of movement around the NBA uh, in terms of trade deadline and got some some pretty, uh, I don't know exactly how exclusive it is, but some some pretty interesting takes and thoughts on some of the uh, some of the things that we've seen around the NBA as of late. Obviously, the last few days, upcoming week, last few weeks, uh, and even the the days that are coming about. As we know, we're getting ready for the 2020 NBA All Star Weekend taking place Valentine's Day weekend uh, in Chicago. So, um, man, just really looking forward to that. A ton of basketball. You know exactly where to find. This podcast, anywhere you can find podcasts at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, uh, Google Podcasts, the whole nine. So uh, just thankful for you guys checking in with me. If you'd like to follow along, got questions, comments, concerns, opinions, suggestions, the whole nine, feel free uh, to hit me up on the IG and or on the Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. Now, let's jump right into it because... We talked, uh, I teased a little bit, and we talking about the trade deadline and some of the recent movement and the layers that we're going to peel off of uh, this onion, if you will, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Let's start there because I'm just going to go right down the list according to maybe not necessarily what happened in the order that they transpired and took place, but more so as I have them here within my notes. So uh, let's jump right into this thing. Talking about the Los Angeles Clippers, who's obviously a team that, uh, is looking to um, be a, com- a a competitor, you know, be be a team that is going to compete and in contention for the NBA World Championship. I know a lot of neck and neck between them and the Los Angeles Lakers, and I think that's why I was specifically taking a close look at them uh, in the span of the deadline approaching and now that it's passed to see what they were going to do to maybe try and one-up the Lakers or what the Lakers were going to do to maybe try and one-up because – we saw in those first two games, uh, two or three games it was, that the Lakers played the Clippers, and the Clippers got the best out of the Lakers in the two games that they've played so far. What kind of movement was the Lakers going to make so that they could put themselves over the top based on the two games that they played against the Clippers, assuming that those are the two front runners for the Western Conference and probably go on and play the Milwaukee Bucks? And I think everybody would probably pretty much just about agree the consensus as I like to say, we'll probably agree with that. But even more so, is there any movement that the Clippers would 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 make in order to um, keep themselves ahead of the race a little bit uh, instead of the Los Angeles Lakers? So we saw that they acquired Marcus Morris, which I think was absolutely huge for them. I cannot imagine what this is going to look like from an intensity and defensive standpoint and just a masculinity and um, and – I don't know. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying egotistical, uh, but when you start talking about the girth and just the overall attitude in that locker room uh, between Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell, and now Marcus Morris, dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm not even really sure how all of that exactly is gonna mix. I mean, it sounds, it sounds crazy, you know. To think about it because of the simple fact that you have two other guys that are the big stars and names and got the keys to the city in that particular town um, that is in that particular uniform, and that's PG-13, Paul George, uh, who's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more conservative, but 
Um, he's certainly the pretty boy of that group. <laughs> I think everybody would agree with that. And then you have Kawhi Leonard, and I don't even know where to start in regards to his demeanor and just his personality in general. So I think that that's going to be a little interesting to see how all of that is going to fit. Uh, they pick up Isaiah Thomas as well, acquire him over from the Washington Wizards. Uh, and I think we can pretty much expecting the fact that he's going to be waived. Now what the Knicks got in exchange for that, Mo Harkless, who is a solid player on both sides of the ball, uh, I think. Uh, in, a, in addition to that, you know, they get a first-round pick in the year of 2020. So I think that's pretty cool. The Knicks still trying to build, but I think the biggest part of and key for the Knicks especially considering the fact that they got a second-round pick from Detroit as well in, in, in the trade, is that they have to make sure that they're picking the right guys, that they're getting the right picks. And I think that that's something that's obviously going to be really key moving forward with some of the adjustments that they've made in, in, uh, in their staff and upper management. Uh, and in that same group, Washington Wizards get Jerome Robinson uh, as well. So uh, for, uh, in particular... For that trade, I think that going back to what I was saying at the beginning, besides the fact that I don't know what's going to happen with Isaiah Thomas, especially if he, if he gets waived, I don't know if his services are useful anymore. It's crazy to think about a guy who goes from probably like near MVP status or somewhere right up in that range all the way to um, no, can't really find a home. You know, we've seen him in so many different places in Boston and in Phoenix and um, you know, with the Wizards and with the Cavs and with the Nuggets. And it's like, where will he land next? I mean, he's like becoming the ultimate journeyman at this point, which is crazy to think. But um, his 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 lack of size doesn't really do him very much justice or help either uh, in that particular category. Then you have one of the biggest ones. And I'm just going down the list here. The Andre Drummond thing, who as a Pistons guy, okay, because we know that about me, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to an extent um, that they got rid of Drummond because I don't really understand his services. Sometimes you can't put him in and play him in the fourth quarter by any means uh, because of his inability to uh, be efficient from the charity stripe. Dude, that's a free space on what I call the Tate's Take Bingo card. All right. That's a free one. Nobody running at you. No hands in your face. None of that. And I know that everybody's not going to be perfect or great at everything. Shaq couldn't shoot free throws. It would be amazing to think about how great he could be or where he would be at on the scoring list if he could. But um, Drummond can be right along that same line because of the big man that he is in the machine. And he's a guy that you can occasionally dump the ball down inside and give it to him to go and get a basket, although he doesn't have the sharpest skill set. Uh, but he will rebound the basketball and occasionally, you know, attempt some blocks, and I think that I would have liked to see him do that a little bit more often. However, it just seemed like it wasn't an outstanding fit for Drummond, but uh, that's where I feel on uh, how I feel on one side of the spectrum, but then on the other side, this is a guy who wanted to be a Piston, you know, and, and I can respect anybody who loves the city of Detroit and, and, and wants to be a part of something great, and what he's been able to put together with Derrick Rose, I think they could have helped one another a lot more uh, if they had more time together. But unfortunately, he's no longer a Piston. He is now a Cleveland Cavs, so he will be joining the likes of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. How dare I mention him before I mention Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. 
So it's clear that they're trying to build something there. Now what Detroit gets on the receiving end is the John Henson, the Brandon Knight, a second-round pick for 2023, a team that is clearly in full tank mode. I am not upset nor pissed off about anybody that goes into full tank mode as long as that's what you're trying to do. I do a lot of coverage for the Atlanta Hawks. It's clear that they're not. Now, they're losing games, but it's clear not that they're not in full tank mode. They're trying to win games. Now, that may not look very much better, and that's not very flattering by any means, but with the Pistons being in full tank mode, I think that those circumstances is, 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 is one that you're trying to um, take on the same thing Philly did and get guys to buy into a whole new process and completely rearrange some things of a team that seems like it just hasn't been the since ever since the uh hasn't been the same ever since the Darko Milicic thing in 2003. And y'all know that I try really really hard to try and forget about that year from just being honest with you. Um but it's really hard to do and I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to scare away my Pistons fans or anything like that because it's difficult when I think about it to try and keep myself away from vomiting all over the microphone, but it's just something I'm not sitting real well with. And it wasn't just about picking him up, but because you had the Carmelos and the Dwayne Wades and all these other guys uh, that was still there on the board, I think Chris Bosh, if I'm not mistaken, could have been right there too, who could have been extremely serviceable because we saw what he did in Toronto. Um, but here I am in just all of my gripes going back into that mode and steam coming out of my nose looking like the Chicago Bulls logo almost at this point from the 90s. Um I don't expect a whole lot from, you know, John Henson, who I'm definitely not in love with. Brandon Knight, who has clearly been, uh, and I have a feeling that he was a Piston before, if I'm not mistaken. And while I could be very wrong about that, um, that's something that, if I'm just being honest, I'm not really looking forward to. Sadly enough, that second round pick in 2023, which is over, what, probably over a thousand days from now or something like that. 900 something days, a thousand days away. I'm looking forward to that more than I am seeing John Henson and Brandon Knight suit up for the Pistons. Now, uh, another one that was really, really big and extremely huge, I know D'Angelo Russell said that he looks forward to making life a lot easier for Carl Anthony Towns. I couldn't be happier for Minnesota finally doing the right thing by uh, acquiring D'Angelo uh, Russell, getting Jacob Evans in that same draft to go along with Amari Spellman, who looks significantly different than his playing days here in Atlanta, where he just couldn't seem to take advantage of the salad bar. I guess that's probably the best way I could probably describe it. Uh, but in exchange, uh, the Golden State Warriors get Andrew Wiggins a first-round pick, which is a top three protected in 2021, and a second-round pick in 2021 as well. I don't I don't know. I'm trying to see where exactly where I stand on this whole Wiggins thing if I'm just being honest with you. This is kind of where I'm at. I'm not really sure how different Andrew Wiggins is from Harrison Barnes if I'm just being honest. Like I just don't think that there's that much of a significant difference between those two guys. Two guys I'm not overly in love with. Two guys that are skilled basketball players. The guys don't stink. They're not but. You know what I mean? But um but I don't think that they're those guys. Like, if these are guys that cannot uh, excel or overly meet the expectations, I should say, as a third scoring option or a fourth option, even a third option on a team, then I'm just not really sure how that fits. And I don't know that Wiggins has the same 
will to want to win as Stephen Curry or and or a Clay Thompson. Now I'm, I have a feeling that we're going to learn about that really soon, but I'm not, you know, it's not like it's a bad fit, but I don't think it's a good fit either. I think it's just a fit, if any of that makes sense. I don't think that he's an elite player, uh, and I don't think that Andrew Wiggins is a second-tier player either. I just, I don't. I know people are gonna, probably going to call me crazy and, you know, whatnot, but I just, I, I, I don't think that he's that. And it, and it also depends on by the amount of that particular caliber or that particular uh, category, how many do you put? If you say top five is what considers elite and then you start number six through ten as top-tier players, then obviously not. But, you know, I don't even think if if an elite player, like I don't even think that Andrew Wiggins is a top-20 player in the NBA. I could think of 20 guys that I would take before I take Andrew Wiggins. I could probably think of 25 guys. 30 might be a stretch, but I can definitely think of 25 guys. And just for a little bit of proof, I mean, some people might say that this is unfair to say, but there's about that many guys who's an all-star this year, and he's not one of them. To my knowledge, unless some things have kind of changed a little bit, um... But I think player for player uh, in terms of Wiggins and um, D'Angelo Russell and D'Lo. I mean, I'm a D'Angelo Russell guy. You know, I, I, I just I see the size. I see the, I see the IQ, the passing ability, the scoring ability. He's light skinned. So I guess that helps a little bit too. LSU hashtag light skin United. But um, I, just, I just like him better as a player than I do Andrew Wiggins. And I feel like player for player, Golden State made a mistake. Now, in terms of need, uh, I don't think that they gained what they think that they just gained here. And that's something that we won't know until, you know, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson returns. And I'm not sure if really if uh, if, if D'Lo got a fair shake. But I have a really good feeling that the plans for D'Lo in regards to the Golden State Warriors, this was within their plans to acquire for a certain amount of time, see what they can get. If it doesn't work out, then we're going to give them the boot. I kind of have a feeling that that's the way that that was going to pan out anyway because he just wasn't the greatest fit. Although I think that he's a greater fit than uh, maybe a greater fit uh, than uh, than Andrew Wiggins is, that's for sure. And Andrew Wiggins' numbers, I don't think that they'll be better than, than, uh, than D'Lo's numbers as a Warrior if you will, or next year, or whenever, for that matter. And they could be, and I could be totally wrong about that, but uh, I just don't think that his numbers will be better, certainly as a Golden State Warrior, when D'Lo was the only guy on the team without Steph Curry, without Klay Thompson, and only had Draymond Green. Uh, And I think it'll be the exact same case. You can measure that up uh, for the same set of circumstances. Say that three times fast. For the same set of circumstances uh, for a guy like Andrew Wiggins even, you know? And where I do think that this benefits a guy like Andrew Wiggins because he can be himself once the guys come back. He's going to be the third option on this team. And in some cases, while Carl Anthony Towns, most people consider him to be the first option on that team, and I can respectfully agree with that. But in some cases, Andrew Wiggins had to be the first option on that team, and I just don't think that that's him. I don't think that that's in his DNA. I don't think that he can do that for an extensive amount of time. But thinking of himself as a third option is where I think that he can excel the most. I think that's just the 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 reality of it. 
moving forward. <laughs> I think we get safe to say that I think Minnesota won that one. I give them a great A. Um, I cover quite a bit of of the Atlanta Hawks, so let's let, let's run through this Atlanta Hawks thing real quick because I don't want to take too much time on it, but I do want to give my people who uh, who follow uh, and are Hawks fans. Yes, those people do exist for those outside of Atlanta because my people back at the crib, my people back in the town at the cabin, back in the D, they 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 don't. I'm not sure if they even know they're really like real diehard Atlanta Hawks fans like exist. And if that's hard for Hawks fans to believe, then just think of it this way. Detroit Lions fans do exist. Like that's a real thing. So you kind of understand as to where I'm going with that. Um, and appreciative of my Atlanta people, Detroit people, any people that are out there that are, that are listening and feeling free to describe. Make sure you tell your friends to free subscribe, subscribe free to this podcast, pound it in their heads, like beat the door down with it at Tate's Take Hoops on IG and on the Twitter, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. This is the podcast version, the podcast edition, accessible to all Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, the whole nine. The Atlanta Hawks received Scalabis this year, and I don't mean to make anyone cringe when they hear that name, but this is a guy who was, what, top-ranked in the country coming out of high school and into, the, in, into Kentucky. He hasn't shown. He's been quite the journeyman himself, let alone barely even checking into games. Has he improved when he was out in Sacramento? And different? Sure. Okay. Congratulations. The guy improved. But there's a reason for why he was traded for a second-round pick that is future-protected, you know, for Scal and cash considerations, which is ultimately what the Atlanta Hawks pick up for him. So I think that's enough that we have to say there. And let's try and not take too long on his counterpart that also is now uh, an, an Atlanta Hawk, and I know that this will make some of my people that are Michigan Wolverine fans Quite the happy camper, Derek Walton Jr. Um, also was acquired from the Atlanta Hawks, so they receive him for cash considerations. Those last two picks, I can't imagine that those guys are going to uh, be suiting up anytime soon for the Atlanta Hawks. I would imagine that they will probably both be waived. Of course, that's not something I know for a fact. That is just something that I think not only will happen, but I hope that everybody can agree with me with the exception of Derek Walton Jr. and Scalabissier should probably happen. So, uh, speaking of Wave, uh, Nene for the Atlanta Hawks uh, has been waived, which I thought he could have been a pretty valuable asset. Not the most valuable, but he does bring uh, some things that I think the Atlanta Hawks could use from a defensive standpoint, from a veteran standpoint, from a maturity professional in the locker room standpoint. They waive him with receiving, uh, after receiving uh, Clint Capella along with him uh, in the deal that also included the Houston Rockets, who gets Robert Covington and Jordan Bell, including a second-round pick from the Golden State Warriors in 2024, which I have no idea exactly what it is that the Houston Rockets is trying to accomplish right now, if I'm being honest, because they're just going after guys that they're trying to play small ball and they're really running it like this. Now I know that they found a way to be successful 
in the game against the Los Angeles Lakers just the other night with running those guys out there. A bunch of guys are like 6'6 six, six or less. Uh, however, I don't think that that's going to work very long. I think that their main focus is trying to outscore opponents. So they're going to be shooting the three ball at an extremely and ridiculously high rate. Um and try and get some stops. And while they don't have a lot of guys that can do that, that's where they pick up Jordan Bell and, and, and Robert Covington. I think that that's where their ultimate help is at uh, in regards to uh, defense. However, they're pretty much sacrificing sacrificing size in order to try and do that. Like, they're the type of team, if the game is going to 200 and they're down by three and it's, you know, or, or it's, it's you know, 199 to 196, you know, they're the team, or, or shoot, for even that matter, you know, they're down by two, you know, and they need a three to win the game. That's their main focus. They're down 199 to 197, and they're trying to bomb on you before you get the ball back and score. As long as they have the ball back, it's almost like, you know, Houston Rockets basketball almost reminds me a lot of, Pac-12 football and, 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 and Big 12 football. Their main focus is that they want to go out there and they want to outscore you. As long as they're the team with the ball in their hands in the whining moments, then they can be okay with themselves in that situation. They just want to – they're not worried about getting stops. They just want to outscore you, which some people might agree that that is the point of basketball. But I don't think that that's going to work for them in the postseason, and I don't think it'll be very long before we start talking about how Mike D'Antoni, the head coach of the Rockets, number uh, 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 days is numbered. Not going to be the least bit surprised to see this guy with, you know, boxes in his office getting ready to start clearing it out. Also in that trade, Minnesota receives Malik Beasley to go along with the D'Angelo Russell. So they're obviously getting a really, really good core group of guys in the backcourt that can score the basketball at a high rate. Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner comes over from the Atlanta Hawks, a former top three pick. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky, uh, a second round pick from uh, the Brooklyn Nets, which is lotto protected for 2020. And that helps from a scoring standpoint because you have Malik Beasley, who is from the metro Atlanta area, uh, who can help assist in some of the scoring that you're going to lose with Andrew Wiggins. The Denver Nuggets received Gerald Green, Keita Bates, Diop, uh, Shabazz Napier, who seems to be a gentleman of his, of his own, Noah Vonley, a name that I haven't heard in what feels like forever, and a first-round pick from the Houston Rockets in 2020, which I think will serve them well and might end up being the best thing for the Nuggets in this draft but or in this trade. But I think ultimately what helps them the most besides that is the fact that they didn't load themselves up with a ton of more elite-ish talent. I think that's been one of their issues for not ex- – you know, getting to a certain point is because they have too much talent. If there's even a such thing as having too much talent on a roster, I think that that's been the 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 issue. And what led or, or, or carried over into um, the trade deadline uh, was the Atlanta Hawks receiving, you know, Jeff Teague and Travion Graham. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, <laughs> uh, in exchange for Alan Crabb. And 
I think it's great that Jeff Teague is, is an Atlanta Hawk again. Um, and he's familiar already with how things are run here in Atlanta. I, I'm more of a Brandon Goodwin guy in terms of the backup point guard, but Teague brings a need in regards to experience and better in leadership, things that Brandon Goodwin does not have. Um, but I, I like Brandon Goodwin better for what he's been able to show and do on the floor so far. Now maybe I'm giving Jeff Teague an unfair shake a little bit because he hasn't had the opportunity to reestablish himself and re-familiarize himself with the system and the new things that they've kind of put in place in Atlanta. And since the since the last few days, or last few games rather, I think that he has tend to done that a little bit more and have done that a little bit better. Uh, and certainly everybody, you know, un- under the roof of State Farm Arena would like to see that continue because somebody needs to help assist Trey Young in taking over some of the duties that are left behind from having to score the basketball at a high rate on a regular basis, have to score about 30 to 40 points in a game just to give his team a sniff of a chance at winning plus get other guys established and involved, knowing the strengths and the weaknesses of everybody on the team as a facilitator and a distributor. But on the defensive end is where they really lack and, quite honestly, are really bad. And it's not just Trey's fault, but he's part of the issue there. And that's just the reality of it. So I think as a team, collectively as a unit, uh, is where that – they can, I guess, uh, get better, you know, uh, collectively. And that's what it's going to have to take. It's not just going to be on Trey Young. It's going to be on all of these guys. It's going to be on Cam Reddish, who unfortunately has had to play so many different positions, including starting at point guard when Trey Young went out uh, with ankle injuries. And we've seen DeAndre Hunter, who, again, is a a rookie. I want to say a freshman. It feels like these guys are freshmen, a freshman on the NBA level uh, from this, you know, from – pretty much the shooting guard position, small forward position, power forward position, almost every position. Everybody was playing out of pocket. John Collins, another guy, was playing out of pocket, playing the five position, which leaves me with a bit more feel of seeing Al Horford at the center position for so many years, and that was just leaving a really bad taste in people's mouths. So I like to think that, seeing Trey Young off the ball a little bit more, whether that's Jeff T coming in or 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 uh, or Brandon Goodwin coming in can help him relieve that relieve of some of that stress a little bit more, even if you have to play them at the same time. Uh and when we start talking about guys that are familiar with this with the Atlanta Hawks franchise uh and having to refamiliarize themselves with it. Here goes another guy. The Atlanta Hawks, much like the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would like to think probably got a grade A in this draft because why that might not be or in a trade because while it may not be the sexiest pieces around Trey Young uh certainly they got the ones that they the 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 roles that they needed to fill the voids that they needed to occupy if you will uh and so by doing that I'm not really sure if this is the kind of help in the event that Trey Young, that, that that it was factual, rumored that Trey Young was complaining 
about not having the kind of help here uh, that he wanted and needed. I'm not sure if these guys really move that satisfaction needle for him exactly, but I will say enough to say that it will help him quite a bit with getting more bigs and guys that can protect the rim and guys that he can throw the lob to when he is penetrating and dumping the ball off to finishers. And I think that's something that Dwayne Dedman will help do, including uh, shoot the ball at a decent rate uh, from the outside as well to help stretch defenses. They also receive a second-round pick in 2020 and a second-round pick in 2021. For the exchange of Jabari Parker, who, you know what, I have to give a, 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 a hand clap, a round of a hand for him because this is a guy that stepped in after being a journeyman, wasn't really sure where his place was going to be and where he was going to stand with playing time or anything else uh, because of John Collins kind of being in that mode and, and just looking for a new home. But John Collins goes out with a 25-game suspension. I don't think that there's a question in the world that anybody had about Jabari Parker being the uh, the, the, the basketball player and the skill set and the talent that he has, but more so for health concerns because it didn't work in Chicago and it didn't work in Milwaukee. Uh, So now he goes out when John Collins comes back and he goes down with an injury and they probably figure uh, as an organization that they can get a a little bit of value for him in the way that he played because he played exceptionally well in Atlanta and certainly exceeded the expectations that I had for him. And Alex Lynn as well. He's another guy that, you know, went down – with some injuries from time to time and could stretch out and shoot, you know, spread the defense thin a little bit and, and kind of make them work and, and move quite a bit. But uh, certainly he was not nearly as consistent as he was needing to be, especially on the health tip. So two guys, Jabari Parker and Alex Lynn, uh, there's some movement for those two, which were, I think, drafted in the top five of the NBA draft at one point. I think Alex Lynn was like four or five and, Jabari Parker was two, which even brings me back to um, a different thought of, you know, Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins both being involved in the trade. That's the number one and the number two pick from the 2014 draft, which ironically enough is crazy to think about uh, in its own right. And then Atlanta, uh, you know, acquired Clint Capella. Uh, which was a huge need for them, especially from a rim protection uh, standpoint, rebounding standpoint. Uh, And Nene as well, which I actually thought that Nene would be a guy that that they probably could have used a little bit more from a professional standpoint, probably, if not anything else, and been able to be a body to go out there and get some minutes. Uh, and 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 not a not a terrible player. Kind of reminds me of like an older Clint Capella, uh, to an extent. So, um, there that is for the Atlanta Hawks. And when I start thinking about guys like Clint Capella, um, I think that he's a guy that is had limited value in Houston, um, mostly because of the ISO style of play. I mean, he's working with two ball hogs over there in the H town. So. I couldn't imagine being the guy that's out there on the perimeter jumping up and down or even in the paint for this sake of Clint Capella and doing jumping jacks. Hey, over here, pass the ball over here. Hey, I'm over here. I'm wide open. 
and these guys just dribbling the leather off the ball, just just ridiculously dribbling the air out of the basketball and not even paying him any attention and waving him off. And I think it's good because, you know, he can uh, – Clint Capella can – can be utilized um, now in pick-and-roll situations. And I think that that's obviously really good and is going to fit in really well uh, with Trey Young also. So we rarely ever saw him in those situations with James Harden and and Russell Westbrook. Um, I think that Capella, uh, he he brings a balance uh, of some experience and some youth, uh, but uh, very importantly, some maturity and some professionalism. That I don't think that you would have gotten with like a Andre Drummond. I don't think you would have gotten with DeAndre Drummond. Like I, I just, I think that that's one of those things. And I think he's kind of showing, maybe not necessarily uh, his colors, but I think you have to continue to be professional at all times. That's that that that's their thing, you know. And and he definitely expressed how he wanted to be in Detroit and didn't want to leave Detroit. And that, but going into saying that there's no loyalty in this business. And he's not the only person I've heard say that. I've heard, you know, multiple other people recently who have been told that there's conversations about them being shopped around um, have also mentioned the same thing about how there's no friends. And it's, 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 it's just a business. This NBA, I think it was Devin Booker. This NBA is just not the NBA that I thought it was when I was growing up as a kid. Like it's strictly a business. It's not about going out there having fun and basketball. And you know what? That's just the reality of it. That's what it is behind this microphone. That's what it is when you're bagging groceries at the local supermarket. That's what it is when you're the paper boy. That's what it is when you're the walking the neighborhood dogs. That's what it is when you're setting up lemonade stands and car washes and raking leaves and shoveling snow. At the end of the day, it's all about a business. I'm not saying that makes it right, wrong, or indifferent, but that's just the reality as to what it is. And on top of that, when you start talking about Clint Capella, he brings that professionalism and that maturity, but he also brings the rim protection need that this team has. And he's an underrated front court finisher. He has a knack for rebounding. He has nose for the basketball for sure. And I know that the head coach and Lloyd Pierce, trust me, I'm in these post-game press conferences on a regular basis. It seems like the only other thing that he preaches about in word that he says every other word is about effort, energy, and competing. And I don't think that's, that there's anybody that's going to question uh, Clint Capella in regards to doing that. So while I'm not in love with the deal, and I don't think that it'll add a ton of more W's with this move alone, uh, I, I, I do think that it is the beginning process of what is to come so that this Hawks team can begin to put some other pieces in order. If I'm the, you know, the, the, the still, it seems that it's going to be likely that they're going to be a team that is going to be in the lottery of the NBA draft coming up this June uh, because obviously the record uh, looks really, really bad. Uh, so they'll be up in that conversation. But I hold on to that piece as long as I can so that I can go and let the 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 let the emotion build up from other GMs around the league until they find them a player that they really want to get. And as soon as they can get a chance to figure out who it is that they want to trade with and where that particular player that they have their eyes on will fall to, that's when I'll dangle. <laughs> That's when I'll dangle my uh, my imaginary draft pick carrot over their head. 
and try and go get me a player where it can ultimately benefit and make this move with Clint Capella look just that much better. That's what I would do if I'm the GM and and decision maker of the Atlanta Hawks, and obviously I'm not that, clearly. Um, But but, but Clint Capella does fill the need uh, as one less void to fill. You know, I think that he does, he's a player that benefits from an average at best trade market. He's a player that benefits from an average at best free agency market coming up. And they got what was best for them in terms of need. And I think that that's probably the, the, the biggest thing for them that has helped them out the most. Now, while I do believe that he benefits from being a better than average, but not anything great uh, type of player that has limited variety of skill set and certainly benefiting from a league in which the center position is nearly extinct. Um, I think he's just, he's pretty much just doing, you know, what he's, what, what he's going to come in and do his job, do what he's supposed to do. And he's going to be granted in uh, a reward for it as well. So that's what that is in regards to uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, when you start talking about what Miami got, and I know that Memphis was some, they were one of the teams that was, at least the players was, in, in such a rush to get rid of Andre Iguodala because, you know, it's been made clear that Dylan Brooks and John Moran are guys that did not want kind of like dead weight to be on their particular uh team if they didn't you know if he didn't want to be a part of that and I can't be mad at them they're the young guns they didn't want to be a part of that and why people might be telling them to quiet down and pipe down quite a bit I can't be mad at them for the way that they feel they don't want that kind of energy around them and who can be upset at that so instead the Memphis Grizzlies they get Justice Winslow who's been pretty consistent with the exception of some injuries James Johnson, Deion Waiters, I don't think will help them nearly at all. Uh, and and Gorgie Jang, who will help them a significant amount. But then you have the Miami Heat, who received Andre Iguodala in exchange, Solomon Hill, and Dre Crowder, in which those are two guys from a defensive standpoint and experience standpoint that Miami could really use as they start trying to prepare themselves for the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think that's probably going to just about do it for this podcast. Um, I think there's probably, what, two other pieces that we have to knock out here. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks, they received Willie Cauley-Stein, who I don't know where in the world the Golden State Warriors, who they're going to put as starters in the front court. Uh, I would imagine Draymond Green, I guess, at the four position, uh, and then maybe Marquise Chris at the center position. Uh, but they lose out on an energy player like Willie Cauley-Stein that I thought does them pretty well. Maybe just much like D'Angelo Russell, they got what they needed out of him and sent him out the door for the exchange of Dallas's second-round pick that comes from Utah in 2020. Somewhat surprising, just a little bit. And then last but certainly not least, you have the Utah Jazz who received Jordan Clarkson. And we saw that earlier not too long ago uh, throughout the duration of the season earlier on in exchange for uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, where the Cavs end up receiving Dante Exum, who if you haven't heard, 
There's a guy that's going to be coming out in the draft, and I think that he's really, really good. He's going to be a really good piece to a team someday and a very, very good pro whose name is R.J. Hampton out of Texas and played overseas in Australia. He's every bit of a lottery and should be building his, his, his maybe not his resume, but his skill set and lobby for himself to be taken higher because he's every bit of deserving of that. And the reason why I mention him, because he is, I think, going to be exactly what people thought that Dante Exum would be. The IQ, the passing ability, the scoring ability, the skinny strong. I, I, I think that that's what everybody thought of when they thought of Dante Exum. And I wish I could have seen what everybody else saw prior to some of his injuries, but I don't think we can blame it all on on injuries for Exum. Cleveland also receives a second-round pick from San Antonio. That's 2022, and a second-round pick from the Golden State Warriors in 2023. But Jordan Clarkson, let me tell you, I think they could be a valuable asset to just about any team, and I said the exact same thing in the ways that I felt about Darren Collison. I don't know if he's going to be a Laker. I know that he sat next to Jeannie Buss, at uh at the game against the Golden State Warriors for the Los Angeles Lakers, but I always thought that Darren Collison would be a very, very ideal, experienced uh, backcourt to someone at the point guard position uh, as a backup point guard in this league. So um, I think that's about it. I hope we all learned something today. Everybody got something a little informative and educational for you. Uh, feel free to follow along on social media. Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. And don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast. Please subscribe for free. That is Red Circle. That is Spotify, in addition to um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. For now, I think that's going to do it. I'll have a little bit more uh, for you guys when next week rolls around. All-Star Weekend, the weekend of Valentine's Weekend out there in the Chi-Town in the Windy City. Talk to you then at Tate's Take Hoops.